Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We're joined today by Jacob Hawley. Tim Lewis, uh, Jacob is someone who we met with the lockdown shows. Terrific comedian, lovely dude. One of one of my favourites. He is someone who I I probably saw seven years ago. I saw him like as an open spot. I used to I used to work at a gig where more often than not it wasn't very good. If I'm honest, for whatever reason, the audience just didn't really seem to like anyone. And every now and again, we'd have an open spot who would buck that trend. And Jacob Hawley was one of those people. I remember thinking, God, he's genuinely very good, actually. And I've I've been able to follow his career from act who's got about eight minutes to multiple hours, including one of which I was very lucky to tech in Edinburgh 2022. I love Jacob Hawley. A bit like we had with the recent uh, Alexandra Haddow episode. You could imagine Jacob hosting that late night Channel 4, you know, uh, uber cool, not the word, but, you know, that that music comedy type show. You know, him and and Haddow, that'd be a good double header. That's a great, that's a great pairing. Yeah, we should picture that. That's great. He's a cool dude. Yeah, very cool. Tim, I'm going to call it now. Jacob Hawley, please don't skip to it just yet, with arguably the best story to accompany a pick on the dream lineup it's my favorite pick we've ever had (laughs) in 51 episodes i think it is it's astonishing and just just you wait just you wait i also i think at the end of this episode tim i will talk about this person yeah because if they listen to, if they listen to it, I want that person to know what they mean to me. Beautiful. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> Enjoy the whole episode, right? It, 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 Jacob's on great form. Yeah. He brings the thunder. And then when you get to the bit and you when, when you get to it, you some of you are thinking, oh, you're building it up. And then when you listen to it, you'll go, you didn't build it up enough. No. When he gets to the bit, I would say, strap in. It's it's uh, it's quite the ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is superb. Now Jacob Hawley is going on tour with his new show, Space. It kicks off seventh of March. To find out more about Jacob Hawley, what a lovely again, lovely website, JacobHawley.co.uk. Click tour. All the dates are there. The new show, Space, starts Thursday, 7th of March. Comedia, Brighton. Uh, and then, oh, quite a few dates. It's good stuff. Uh, and then, Climaxes, Thursday, 13th of June, The Purple Turtle in Reading. 
Jacob Hawley, uh, just a, just an all round terrific stand up. Tim, what was he like to tech for in Edinburgh? It was lovely. It was really nice. He was my first show of the day. And yeah, it was a perfect start because like we could have, I think we were the first show in the venue that day. So we could get there a bit earlier, we could just sit in this room and just have a bit of a natter before. And it was just the perfect start for the day. It was really lovely. Loved doing Jacob's show. He's a love. I was very patronising. I was going to say he's a lovely kid, but he he's 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 a re, he's a really nice lad. And also, he's really really funny. Well, you're gonna as you're gonna discover, he's really funny. He's naturally really funny. He's really he's really funny off stage as as well as on. Great and great off stage hang, as we always say. But yeah, we were in a room which <laughs> wasn't necessarily the most pleasant. If you've ever been to Edinburgh, you'll know it. Yeah, so we'd set up these <laughs> diffusers in the room and it was almost like meditative. It was just, it was lovely. It was so nice. I'll put you on the spot here. Of all the people you've teched for with these solo shows, who have you had the, we'll take Jacob off the table. Great. Because I know that you and him have a lovely bond. Who else have you struck up uh, a lovely rapport with? Oh, that's nice. Well, I'm very lucky that I'm sort of able to pick the shows I want to do. So I will normally pick people I'm friendly with anyway, but uh, notable people I'd say who I've got a real bond with would be uh, Gronya Maguire, Celia AB, Daniel Cook, Ben Pope, some lovely, lovely guys there. I've seen how you get on with Key. Key's it, key in the mix. Of course, yeah, yeah. Always, always fun. Well, as you know, he's just always always making jokes it's so funny always hilarious yeah 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 i've never i've never seen him in a bad mood i wouldn't like to see him in a bad mood but he's just always brings such positivity now tim we, we um i think we can basically right next week is our one year anniversary we the, the it's in the bag we, we we can we can say this uh tim it, it's it's uh i don't even want to give a clue we'll just say it's it's you're in for a treat how's that uh you're in for a treat we were we were in for a treat when we did it it was it's someone who we've mentioned a few times on here before and i i could really spoil it so i'm not going to that's all i'm going to say Put it this way, I took it so seriously that I, uh, like, seconds before the podcast started, I, before this person logged on, I ran upstairs, removed the Yorkshire cricket hoodie that I'm wearing right now, and put on my best cashmere jumper. What was right. What was going through my mind? Was it blind panic? Was it a, a, a desperate need to impress the person? I mean, maybe it's best I don't actually let that particular genie out of the bottle. But anyway, it, the guest was so significant that it, it, it inspired me to put on a woolly I mean, it's, it's deeply embarrassing that I did this, but I'm, I want to own it as well. Um, right then, Harry K writes in, uh, fellas, congratulations on reaching 50 eps. I wanted to share my dream lineup from acts that I have seen over the years, all of them ledges. Yeah, my kind of guy using the word ledge. Uh, that have left me with very fond memories. MC, Harry Hill. Perfect. Absolutely. 
Now, I know Harry would prefer to do a set. However, Harry emceeing, I know for a fact, is also an absolute treat because I know that he does things uh, a little differently. Uh, opener, Brian Gittins. Tim, now we know that David Earl, aka Brian Gittins, is, is a much happier dude not doing stand-up. However, it's fair to say, Tim, if there's one person that we could bring back, it would be it would be Brian, wouldn't it? I think it is. I think he is the number one I'd bring back. I just so his own thing. Uh fearless, I'm gonna say. <laughs> and just one of the funniest acts I've ever seen. Just mad. If you've never done the David Earl episode of our podcast, it is one of the very best episodes. Yeah, it is. I don't don't like to have favourites, but it's certainly up there for me. It is. I mean, I know, I think it's in your top two or three, isn't it? If, if I'm being honest, it might be in my top one. <sighs> That's a spicy meatball. So do check that out if you haven't checked it out. Middle, Jacaster, James Acaster. Now, Tim, will you be seeing the new Ghostbusters film? Um, you know what? I I've never seen any Ghostbusters film. Can you believe that? What you can't see is that my jaw has just hit my desk. <laughs> yeah. So right. So just to explain, Tim and myself, we both love movies. Now I'm unashamedly a uh, nachos and big Coke Zero kind of guy. Blockbuster, Odeon, lovely. Uh, I'm 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 the guy that when the new Ghostbusters comes out, I'll be there opening day. Whereas Tim, his choices are a little more, not a little more, uh, a lot more art house, cerebral. Tim's more likely to see that black and white Polish film. <laughs> I'm more likely to go see Jaws: The Revenge. Right? There are times when it crosses over. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But even me, Johnny Blockbuster, it, even I would say you would adore the first Ghostbusters film. Yeah, I've def I've seen bits. But I think there are such iconic scenes which it's just impossible to have not seen that at least. It's a the first one is a great movie. I don't mind I don't mind the second one. Um and I thought the the the, the recent one with Paul Rudd etc was I thought it was absolutely fantastic and don't mind saying cried my little eyes out in the cinema. So I cannot, I absolutely cannot wait for the new film. I can't wait to see James in it. Um, it's out, it's out next month. Wow. I, I might go see it because it does have James A. Custer. And if I may say so, friend of the night, Kamel Nanjiani. Friend of the night, Kamel Nanjiani uh, and Jacaster. What, what an absolute treat. I'm all over it. My girls watched the trailer. They said, can we see the film? I had to explain when you're about 15, you definitely can. Yes. <laughs> um, and we've not even talked about James's comedy. Yeah, love, love Acaster a great deal. There is a chalkboard at Always Be Comedy downstairs in the venue uh, that includes sort of like hand-picked some guys that are that we, we would like to think are synonymous with with the night. Jacaster very much on the uh, chalkboard. So we, we love James a great deal. Closing the gig, I was just thinking about this person the other day, Rick Mayle. 
Tim, have you have you ever done the Blackadders? I I've done Blackadder Goes Forth, which is probably the best one, isn't it? Oh, a lot. I've got such a soft spot for three because Hugh Laurie in Blackadder Three. That's one of the, I think that's one of the greatest sitcom performances I've I've ever seen. I think he's wow. Hugh Laurie as the Prince Regent in Three is absolutely unreal. I think he's brilliant. But yeah, for, I mean, Four is Four's phenomenal. I what I I've got real love of Blackadder. There was um, UK Gold. I think used to do these documentaries about the classic sitcoms. And on the Blackadder one, I think it's Tony Robinson tells the story that Rick Mail knew that he'd smashed Flashheart <laughs> so hard yeah. that when they finished the record, Mail said something like, right then, did I win? <laughs> I mean, yes, he did. It's one of the best performances I've seen in any comedy. It's so incredibly funny. Now, any listener, I may have got that wrong. Maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't Tony Robinson who said that, um, but I think it was. And, and, and I, the reason why I'm asking the question is because then the next bit they said, the next thing they said was after Mail had gone, uh, did I win? Is that the, the, the person telling the story, I think it was Tony Robinson, says um, not exactly the sort of team player ethos that, that you that we were after, you know. But uh, but yeah, Tim's nailed it. I mean, it's uh, it, it is a truly iconic turn. Rick Mail, uh, just such an absolute powerhouse harry i i would say this it, it, it's an absolute it's an absolute killer gig he's put this gig would would, would require tenor ladies and men to be handed out upon arrival as there would be an excess of audience leakage keep up the great work harry k uh yeah that's that's very fair that's that is a very funny night um please do send in your dream lineups to the team at alwaysbecomedy.com uh, we are across the socials at alwaysbecomedy all your, your shares your retweets you making them your insta stories etc my god we're very grateful thank you very much and please do leave a five star review please do keep your correspondence coming in the team at alwaysbecomedy.com uh, also tim as ever an epic runner always be comedy recently yeah, it's just look. It's it's been a delight. You've absolutely nailed it with the old bookings recently. It's just been heaven, heaven, heaven. At the time of recording yesterday, I saw Fern Brady's show, and it's just it's astonishing. It is just incredible. She's so good. If you would like to come and find out what all the fuss is about, or you've been before and all that malarkey, in the coming weeks and months, we have got the likes of Flo and Joan, Jen Brister. Nick Helm, that's also live streaming. Rachel Paris, Ian Sterling, Kima Bob, and uh, Sophie Duca, and many, many more. So hopefully we'll see you at a show. Please do come over and say hello. It's been lovely to chat with some of you. Uh, I, I may have said in a previous episode, a couple of you have reduced me to uh, if you if 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 the car drives up to full on jagging sobs, then just re- reverse the car by about a foot. But that's what a couple of you have done, and uh, but in a lovely way. So thank you for that. Hang on, I made it sound like you'd <laughs> in a lovely way. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, so yeah, uh, to find out more, alwaysbecomedy.com. Anyway, we we bring on the maestro, uh, and as we say, strap in <laughs> because he's got a tale to tell. Uh, it's the great Jacob Hawley. <laughs> 
We're joined today by the great uh, Jacob Hollick. Jacob, how are you? I'm great. Well, I'm all right. I went I went too hard there. I said I was great, but I'm actually just okay. But yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm okay. I've, Hang uh... on. I, I feel now I've, I've almost gone like full this morning here because <laughs> there was a Jacob was reluctant to say that he was great, and I promised I, I'd not. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, and then Jacob will say he's not great, and then we'll get on to, right, Jacob, you've had to push the tour back. Please, yeah. please explain. Your, your your journalist brain kicked in there, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and I, I, <laughs> I, I apologise profusely. I wanted, to, I wanted to start off talking about the tour, but we're, we've already we've already taken a slight detour. Right, please please talk us through what, what has happened, my friend. Uh, well, I've had a few weeks of... Um... <laughs> Let's tell you my symptoms. I've, basically, I, I had a few weeks of just being dizzy and kind of um, collapsing and and, and funny um, health stuff, and then I had to go into hospital last week. Uh, and it's yeah, I I basically while while I, while I was in hospital, they they were keeping an eye on my my brain and my heart and everything. My my brain's fine, but with my heart, they they sort of there was a few times that they commented that I'm I'm really fit because uh, my heart rate can drop to like forty BPM or lower. And they, and they, I don't, I, I'm not really fit. And that's the problem. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm still in the process of working out what's wrong. I've got to have a heart, a heart monitor fitted and, and to go around like that. And, um, but I'll be, I'm, I'm like, I've, I've, I feel fine. Do you know what I mean? I feel okay. I felt, I felt like a real fraud in the hospital because I was in there for five days. And any, you know, the, the hospitals, they're in a state, it's really busy and, and there's, there's people really sick in there. And I'm, I'm just bopping around on my laptop, asking anyone if they want a coffee. I'm I'm treating it like a wee work. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm <laughs> up and down, up and down the stairs, <laughs> in and out with the newspaper. So yeah, and it's 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 the hospital. Obviously, the staff are amazing. They're trying their best, but it's very stretched. At one point, they thought I'd had a heart attack, um, and and were sort of frighteningly relaxed about it. They like didn't mention it for a while. A few hours later, they were like, "We think you might have had a heart attack last night." Then, then they realised they'd put the cables around the wrong way around when they were checking my ECG. So it's, it's been, ironically, quite a stressful week, which which doesn't help. But <laughs> yeah, oh, Jacob. So, so, so I've just I've just got to knock the tour back by a month. But that's that's it's okay. It's all right. It's uh, I don't. I'm, I'm going to be gutted about Leicester because that had nearly sold out. Um, don't mind having a few more months to work on Maidenhead. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Hang on, if Leicester's nearly sold out, what, can you reschedule? I take it rather than yeah, yeah. They're, they're, so it's, it's. I mean, I don't know when this will go out, but it should be announced by then. But yeah, it's it's a shame because we were doing it as part of the comedy festival, which I love doing. Um, but yeah, we'll knock that back till probably the summer now. It's a funny thing, man. I mean, like you, you all have sort of noticed this yourself how the our industry has sort of changed so much. I mean, I, I remember five years ago there being an, a, a sort of news article in Chortle that there were 150 comedians on tour. That, that was newsworthy that, that so many were doing it. Whereas now I'd imagine there's 500 touring, you know, it, it's it, newer acts who are, are kind of six years in are, are taking shows on tour. And it's, it's just that different model of people saying, right, I'm going to try and build my audience with online content and stuff like that. And then just do tour tickets. And I, and I think it's great. Um, but so you feel like you've got so much more autonomy and kind of control and agency over what you're doing with yourself. And I don't have a huge online following, but the, the nice little number I've got are, you know, I've been putting stuff on, on Instagram about my health and they've been very nice and supportive. And it's nice knowing that there are people who will kind of 
patiently wait for those for those tour dates to happen which whereas he, he, like i toured last year and even a year ago it's like well i don't know if anyone's going to come and they i don't even know if they know what they're coming to if that makes sense so it's nice man it's nice it's nice knowing that people are kind of chill about it and are aware that something's happening that they can come at a later day with with the health thing when, when, when did you first notice when did you because i mean you know you're 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 a sounds sounds perverted i'm gonna phrase this you're a fit young lad but, but, but when <laughs> when was the when was the first time we thought oh hang on a minute this is well are we going back years or is this a recent thing no 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 in the, in the last month or so i mean the, the thing is and i appreciate that you know fit young lad i i i'm also a father of a baby and a toddler um i'm quite busy and so, so you know what it's like you feel fucked all the time anyway you know and it's january <laughs> <laughs> like you know you, you sort of wake up in the morning and how do you feel well horrendous but you know it's another day ending in a why so can't feel can't think why i'd call a doctor you know it, it's like yeah the walls are closing in is the room spinning usually yeah usually because there's, there's there's a toddler on my head so it's, just, it's sort of it, it's it's mad but it's like i'm so used to sort of being like crippled by stress and kind of exhaustion that you don't you don't feel that this is cause for alarm. If if I if I felt well, I'd be like, what's going on? So it, it's it's yeah. The last month, kind of post Christmas, I've just been noticing these episodes of dizziness and 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 um, you know, feeling. I mean, fainting a lot of the time, just passing out. So that that's yeah. It's a month oh, or so, um, and it's it's it is scary because as you, I mean, I'm 32 now, um, and you don't really expect like you know when i'm in the hospital i'm sat there waiting for the for, for my um for my mri scan and it's you know it's a queue of old men kind of sitting at me looking at me going christ what have you done to yourself i feel like saying well ask my daughter she's she's done it <laughs> she's broken the, i know you talked about this pre-pod but I, I i have to ask if you've got you've got this heart rate of like moses kip like you've got you've got yeah, the, yeah. you've got the heart rate of like you know an I iconic distance runners do, do I take it that fit that fitness will, if you get the fitness levels to match the heart rate that you, you know that you do have, um, is that is that going to help if you if you get into running and whatnot? Well, I, I don't really know. I mean, they're, they're, as I say, I'm sort of still in the kind of diagnostic stage of this. This, um... oh, by the way, when we booked this in, I couldn't see it going this way. This, I, I, you know, this this is. What's, what's his name? Adam Adam Key. Is it the guy that he does um, This Is Gonna Hurt? What's his name? Oh, is it uh, Adam Kay? Adam Kay, that's it, yeah. It was like you swapped Sorry, in. yeah, we've not always uh, been medical. It's a new uh, yeah. <laughs> offshoot. Well, off okay, content. so basically, the heart, I, I guess the heart is beating not enough every minute, and hence why I'm fainting, so I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain. So I guess there's two solutions. You either get the heart to beat more, or you, you get the heart bigger and stronger. So when it does beat, it gets more blood around the body. So which direction the doctors decide to go, I'm not sure. Whether it's a case of bulking up, getting the heart strong through training. I don't, I don't know what kind of training I do. Or whether it's a case of just, every, every you know, keeping a, a, a small bag of gear in my back pocket and a, and a, and a Red Bull in the car. And if I, if I ever feel like it's slowing down, if the, if the monitor starts beeping, I have to start speeding my heart up again. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Sure. I don't know which I'm, way they'll go. I'm not sure which way the doctors are going to go. Whether it's uh, fitness and a healthy lifestyle or getting on the beak. I mean, it could, <laughs> could go either way. Have you ever seen the Jason Statham film Crank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. you could be living that's that. It. That's it. 
<laughs> run around with a car battery in a backpack and a couple of did, is it did he have like clamps that go on his nipples that sort of charge him up and get he him does running also again? he does all sorts he he he, uh, he charges himself he does coke mm. uh he has sex in a public place there we go but, mate those two movies are they are awesome films he's got a repertoire have, have you watched the shark films he did have you watched the meg mate i was i was like the only person in the beckenham audience to see the meg too Really? So I, I actually, this is I mad. Love, mate, as a, as Statham is king of the baldies, right? You're, you're talking to yeah. arguably the world's number one Jason Statham fan. He, he, he's just done a Stone Island campaign. I don't know if you've seen a kind of fashion campaign. No. He looks, he looks unbelievable, man. He's, mate, he's... He, he made a film called, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Wrath of Man. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. That's his best movie. He's, that is really? a, that's, a, that's a great film. The shark ones. I, I, as a kid, I, I loved sharks. I was just into sharks when I was like ten, and I, I, some library somewhere, I was looking for shark books, and I. So it's, it sounds insane. Those Meg films, they're actually based on books. Yeah, they There's are. Yeah, yeah. Series. Yeah, I've read the books. Are he the does bo- it justice. But are the books better than the movies? Because the I say this is a safe and fan. In the second movie, there's a bit where. The, 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 the ending of a movie with a big set piece involved. Look at me trying not to spoil the Meg Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone's listening to this. Someone going, "Don't ruin it! Don't ruin it!" <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> but but the, those films should be a lot more Stathamy, and and they I think they take themselves a bit too seriously for what is essentially Jason Statham versus a massive shark, and it, yeah. need, it needs more quips and gags and a bit more a bit more Stathamness. I, yeah, I, would, I think I would like to write the third one. Is what I'm saying. I know what those films need. The thing is, I don't think many people watch those films and think, "Oh, I bet there's, I bet there's good literature behind this." You know? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere there's a real piece of art that's been bastardized to make this action film. And um, the the book, do you know what the book? The books are strangely sexual. I have to say, I think I, I I was maybe a bit older. Maybe I was about twelve when I read them. And there's there's quite a few sex scenes on you know on boats of doctors bonking each other whilst really? they try and work out how to catch the shark. Yeah, um, which which isn't present in the films, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I I don't want to see. Also, I don't want to see Jason doing that. I, you know, I, I've got too much respect for him. No, exactly, exactly. You, you don't. Whilst you're enjoying him chasing a great white shark around a barrier reef, you, you don't you don't want to waste time with him canoodling with someone. It's. It's a megalodon. Um, I my I was in a, a, a park. I won't say which one because he lives quite close to it. Uh, oh, does he? Is he yeah. near you? Yeah, he's quite a private. He's quite. I think he's quite a private dude. But we were in this. Uh, this is sort of an embarrassing confession, really. Uh, this was a good couple of years ago. I think we might. Have, I think we might have been on old Lockie D. Anyway, he's there with. Uh, Rosie Huntington Whiteley, he's his other half, yep. and uh, one of their nippers, and one of my nippers. In they, there's an interaction, and uh, but by the way, he's he, I can't. He, he seemed fantastic, real. That's the that's the best way to meet a celebrity, by the way, isn't it? If you if your kid meets their kid. Well, I thought here we go. This is my this is my moment to become best friends with my hero, and uh, what I it was a cold day. This is so embarrassing. And I had a woolly hat on and I removed my woolly hat as if to say, huh? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> my leash. <laughs> um, 
just just want to be absolutely honest about this. There was quite rightly not a not even a flicker of an interaction with the great man. There was in your no- in your dream in your dream scenario, what would he have done? Would he, would he have kissed? Would he have kissed you? <laughs> in a dream, I'm not joking. In a dream scenario, he would have gone. Hang on a minute. You're perfect for the role of my brother in yeah. Crank Three, and I'm like, yes, I knew it. Yes, it paid off. Um, no, there was uh, that is unfortunately, well, for me, tragically, end of anecdote because there was there was there was nothing. I, I had the same thing. I I, I, um, I was at a park near me, um, and I, li- I live in North London near the Arsenal Stadium, and my my daughter was playing with a little boy on the swings, German boy, and he, I could hear him speaking German. Uh, with his dad and you know we're literally swing by swing next to each other and I look up at the dad he's taller than me and it's Per Mertesacker German centre half World did, Cup World Cup winning captain did you Arsenal speak? captain yeah yeah I, I may I do you know what I, I'm pretty cool around like in comedy and stuff I don't really get uh, flustered by it but with footballers I lose my mind I absolutely lose my mind and I was just I was just thanking him it was so pathetic. Yeah. I, I just, mate, you know, thanking him for the FA Cups, thanking him because he, he's he's head of the Arsenal Academy, so he's responsible for some of our young players. Thanking him for that. Absol- like, I was like a pauper. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I was like a medieval pauper thanking the king for their good work. It is so pathetic. And you could just see, you could see that he probably wanted to stay a bit longer with his son, but he wanted to get out of the park just because it was a small park and I'm there. And he was like, oh, for fuck's sake, we've got some fucking weirdo thanking me for my life's work. I, I warm up fantasy football and Eze's, uh, Eze's cousin is Andrew Mensa. So Eze came Mensa. to... Mensa, yes. Yeah, it came to one of the recordings and he was in the green room and I'm, I'm, I was exactly the same. I mean, I'm, I'm 45. And <laughs> you, just, you just turn into that 13-year-old again. And so I... I, I you know, you try not to bother people all that, but I went up to him and I did exactly the same. I, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done. <laughs> thank you for everything you've done for Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, I mean, but you know what? Maybe we should never grow out of that because it's nice to have heroes, isn't it? You know, um, I imagine it's nice for them. God, I hope I, I, it's a fine. It is a it's a it's a fine line. Right now, the the tour is nudged back, but for any of our listeners, please talk us through the tour and what to expect from space. Uh, so it's a new show that I've written this year, and it's um, well, okay. So I, I guess I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll talk about it more in depth than I would usually because you you know like you, I do this tour promo usually, and it's a lot of the time it's it's people who don't I, like basically I, I know that your listenership will be the ABC uh, audience who who are comedy nerds at their best. Do you know what I mean? People who care about this shit. Basically, when when I started writing like hour long shows like five years ago, I used to do slightly more political stuff that was kind of based on. Um, I mean, it, you know, at the time it was a couple of years after Brexit, and a lot of my perspective was kind of writing from the perspective of someone whose family were Brexit voters and who lived in North London, and everyone who I know was you know staunch Remainers and and kind of so trying to trying to kind of write from the perspective of having a foot in each camp of a, of a cultural divide. And that's essentially what space is, but for different topics, if that makes sense. So like uh, within the show, I talk about things like um, people who are sort of gender non-conforming, people who are non-binary and trans, stuff like that, um, living in a time when um, stuff like that is like, pe- people talk about those people on 
light entertainment shows in the morning. You know, you tune into Good Morning Britain and they're trying yep. to have the trans debate. And you, you, on one hand, you go, A, what's the debate? And B, you kind of go, I don't know if, I don't know if mid-morning television for unemployed people is the space to have this conversation. Do you know what I mean? But it's, and again, it's from that perspective of like, I, I live in London amongst people who who are very tolerant and kind of um, progressive when they talk about those topics. Whereas I come from a background of people who who aren't that way. And I guess with the show, I'm trying to bridge the gap between the two things and try and talk about the fact that um, I don't think people really feel that differently when they talk about these topics, when they actually get to the core of it. Like I don't, I don't think people in the sticks who who grew up where I grew up actually have an issue with anyone who's um, who who's changed their identity somewhat or changed who they are. I think I think we we just kind of live in a time when people like to create a culture war and create division. Hundred hundred percent, and it, it's and it's really unhelpful, and it's and it's really like, and I think I, I think the problem is ni- neither side of the kind of culture war has any empathy for the other. So like the. The lads where I grew up who who might, um, you know, my group chats from mates from home who are builders and tradesmen who uh, would would share memes and make jokes at the expense of anyone who, who might be a bit different to them. They've never met these people, so they don't realise they're human beings and they don't realise that it, they're, they're kind of people who struggle with the way that they're perceived in the media sometimes. Whereas the people who are really pro that kind of thing, they've never met my mates from home and they don't realise that they don't actually have a perspective on this stuff. They've never been educated about it. And the problem is you just end up with this kind of ongoing, never-ending culture war argument thing of, you know, are you pro this, are you anti that? When and and then and then the kind of end result is there's a very tiny group of people who live in the UK who would identify as being either trans or non-binary or or who don't believe in gender and stuff like that. And that they're they're kind of forgotten about and they just have to suffer the results of their identity being um food and fodder for argument television. Um I realise much of that probably doesn't sound very funny. There's also quite a long anecdote about um, my son's home birth and how uh, I nearly dropped him when he was born, which is a good laugh as well. So <laughs> it, it's 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 it, I, I guess it's um, I guess it's uh, yeah it's 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 to be honest with you, mate. It's the most fun I've had writing stand up and doing stand up in a long time. Like I, I spent a few years um, doing more kind of like personal shows about my kids being born and about my relationships and stuff. And it's like, it's quite fun doing political and stuff and sort of talking about heavy topics, but in a light way, do you know what I mean? Good for you. Yeah, it's fun. It's, and and it's, what I have had a few times is like people kind of say to me, well, you're, you're a kind of straight white guy with a certain level of privilege, which I, I agree with and going, well, these aren't really your topics. Why are you talking about them? Why are you talking about, who are you to talk about these things? And I kind of think, well, because the way we're doing it at the moment isn't working, you know? And it's very often people that look and sound like me, lads with tattoos who go to football matches and speak with glottal stops, they're the ones who are problematic and tend to be the issue. And you kind of think, well, maybe if someone who looks and sounds like them is to talk on these topics with a, a different level of perspective, we might get somewhere. Do you know what I mean? We might we might get, like, I don't want to call myself the lad whisperer, but you, you think, you know, they're, they're, I mean, there's a line in the show about how, you know, when 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 you go when you're at war and you 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 have to negotiate with people, you usually use someone who speaks the language. And I, I kind of think if we're ever going to get out of these kind of cultural times and and find a more progressive nation, we might have that. And it, and it's the sad thing is that I think there's a lot of issues in the UK where we were more progressive 20 years ago and we're less so now. I mean, I we, we've got. Uh, 
prime minister who at the last Tory party conference proposed um, policies where trans women wouldn't be allowed to access um, female facilities in hospitals. That's the prime minister. 20 years ago, I remember a trans woman called Nadia winning Big Brother. Like, it, and it, it feels like it feels like we've gone backwards in those 20 years. And it's 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 really fucking scary. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough, you know, as I say, I live in London. I, I, I move in social circles where I've got friends who are non-binary. I've got friends who who, you know, don't um, identify as the gender that they were assigned with at birth. Yeah. And I, I feel really privileged that I, I, I know those people and I, I get to speak to them about these things and kind of learn a bit. And it's like. I think if a lot of my mates from home were to were to have the privilege of knowing those people, we'd we'd have a better world. But the problem is there's no kind of crossover in communication between the two groups, and it's it just falls into this sort of farcical debate thing. I think that's a big thing. That's like everything's a debate now. Every, every kind of TV. I mean, like a, a big thing I do on social media. I do a lot of like football content on social media. Yeah. And as a result, I do a lot more kind of work in that space now, like TV and like you know shows like that and it's everything's always just a fucking argument and you think well, it doesn't need to be does it and it, and it's it's fine when you talk about arsenal man united but when you're talking about the rights of human beings you think maybe it could be a bit more diplomatic that unfortunately that that is the thing isn't it so i know people who've turned up to promote like say a tour or a book or a tv show and it turns out they've been booked on the tv they've been booked on the show to have an argument about something and they're like what? yeah yeah you know? Yeah, the, yeah, and I've I've had that. I've I've had invitations. People who've seen me either doing, you know, comedy clubs where I'm doing this material, or they've seen previews where I'm working up this material, and they've gone, ah, oh, right, he's some hot take guy who we can book to kind of. I mean, I've been invited on GB News, and and, and I thought I, you were brilliant on it. I really did, <laughs> mate. Do you know? Do you know the worst thing I have to say? Like, I. The, I the guy who asked me to come on, he's someone who I've met through comedy before, and he's actually a nice guy, so I don't want to bitch about him too hard. Full day record, full day in a studio, and it's favoured nation, so everyone gets paid the same. One hundred and fifty pounds. You you want to you want you want to, you want people to go on there and sit next to fucking idiots and and for one hundred and fifty quid, and you go well, you wonder why they've got such bad takes on these programs, and it's it's almost like. I think it's almost worse to go on one of those shows and be the kind of the token left wing guy who who has to kind of like, you know, tut and shake their heads when when the other guys say they're they're sort of rubbish that they don't actually believe in just for the sake of headlines. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I think I think that's the problem. And I, like I think you're better off not engaging in those debates than you are trying to take part in them because you can't win. Like it, it's it's my frustration with people like like I think he does a lot of good work, but someone like Owen Jones. My frustration with him a lot of the time is like he'll go on the Piers Morgan show to to take part in the debate and to sort of fight his corner for one of his causes. And it's like, but you know you're not gonna win. So so why give them the airtime? Do you know what I mean? Like why why if 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 you care so much about your causes, why are you willing to take part in a game where where you you know your cause is gonna lose? Do you know what I mean? It's like it like uh, unfortunately, it's all I've got, so I'll, I'll use a football analogy. If, like, if I Mate, really care, into the choir there. Yeah, if if I really care about about the goal scoring form of Bukayo Saka, I'm probably not going to go on a view from the lane, the Tottenham podcast, 
<laughs> to try and defend his stats because I, I know he's against me. What's happening here? <laughs> but exactly, exactly that. It's like they've got the control of edit. It's their show. They've got an audience that they have to appease. Of course, you're not going to win. And and they do it with the most like important topics in in national conversation, like you know Israel Gaza, like they, you know fucking Owen Jones going on the Piers Morgan show. It's like you know you're not going to win. He's it, Piers has nailed his colours to the mast. It's his show, his audience, his editors. And and what frustrates me is like, I think a lot of people are naive sometimes. They don't realise that the these these commentators and talkers, they, they do invoice at the end of this. Do you know what I mean? It's like they are getting paid to watch their team lose. And it, yeah. So I, I guess what, what I'm trying to do with the material for the show is to try and offer balance where you can. Ne- never, never, never kind of justify any nastiness. But um try and make it a bit lighter and, and uh, try and bring a bit of unity about. GB News, uh, this is how Jacob is letting you know that he will not be appearing <laughs> on the show. Um, what, may I ask, what is, what's your writing process? Are you, do you lock yourself away? Is it walks around the park? What, what, what is it? Or do you write on stage? Well, it's, it's kind of changed due to, due to practicality. In the sense that when I was like young, free, single, no kids, I'd sit with a laptop for hours. Do you know what I mean? And I'd, I'd, and I think, I think when you first start for the first sort of few years, you don't know what your writing process is, and 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 you 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 almost kind of I I, I look back now and it's like I was method acting the role of what I thought a comedian was. Do you know what I mean? On, on the way to gigs with a little notepad. And I remember, you know, before gigs being like, right, I'll, I'll write out every joke before I perform it. And I look back now and I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, you, you're performing the same 10 minute set four times a week. Why do you need to write it down? You could do it in your sleep. Do you know, but but it's, it's kind of what you've seen other people do. So you think that's what you should do. Whereas now... Just because I've got no time, I've got no time to write between between you know getting to gigs, coming back from gigs, looking after my children, doing everything else I have to do. I've found that I write on stage. That that's kind of what I do, and and what I have found is that the adrenaline of being near a stage makes my brain move at a pace enough where it'll write. I've also learned little things of like I've read about this kind of thing a lot. Your your brain's at its most active in terms of creating stuff like like stand-up or whatever it is that people do when it's half on autopilot so i don't know if you've ever found it when you're in the shower you'll think of stuff or absolutely or when you're doing the washing up yeah and so if, if i've got like a writing day if i've got a day where i need to like you know finish a bit of a routine i'll genuinely plan of going right long shower and then make sure the laptop's ready for when you get out of the shower to write down all the things you've thought of or similar do you know big pile of washing up um airpods in and create notes on the phone sit similarly coming out of a preview and, and this is great if i'm driving but you know giving myself an hour after the preview or um matt richardson taught me you can do a thing in your car where because what, what what i really like is listening back to shows where i've tried out new jokes and then if i'm driving i can have the voice recording of the show playing and then Matt taught me that if you just press the button on your car that does the voice signals and say, you know, Siri, create a note, I can kind of be listening to it. And every time I get to a, you know, a joke where I'm like, oh, I could have said this instead, I can go, right, Siri, you know, write this down, blah, blah, blah. So it's 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 just 
having no time and being having my lifestyle broken by my children has actually taught me to write on stage in the shower and whilst I'm doing the washing up. No, it's good, man. That's smart. <laughs> it's, it's it's just you know it's just learning after years of 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 what what actually works. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's you know, I don't imagine if you were to to go through the artist's way, you know, that, that kind of like long book of finding your creative self. I don't imagine. I don't imagine they tell you to try doing the washing up with your AirPods in. Yeah, but it's, it's but, whatever works for you, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the it's, artist's it's, way. They were they probably weren't juggling two nippers in a stand up career, you know. But uh, yeah, that's it. And it, but but it's also. I mean, I don't know about you, mate. I I before I had kids, I was like, oh shit, it's like I. I how, this isn't going to work. I was like, A, I'm not going to have any time. B, I sort of thought, well, I don't want to be another boring parent comedian. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I don't want to be another guy who just talks about the difficulties of having kids. Then now I sort of look back and I'm like, well, it's much more boring to be a guy in his early 30s who doesn't have kids and he's just drinking at the weekends and doing... Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. <laughs> having having life that you care about is, is more interesting than, than having nothing, I guess. Jacob, you're cu you are curating your dream gig. Do you have any pre-gig rituals? Again, it's it's another thing of like the kind of busyness and being a parent. And like I used to, it, it used to be, I would I would time the last wee before stage as perfectly as I could. Um, as I said, I used to write out the set. I used to kind of you know write. I'm going to say this, then this bit, then this bit, then this bit, then this bit. But now it's like I'll I'll you know I'll I'll get to the gig. I'll have to get changed because I'll have held my children and they'll have kind of snotted and and they'll have food on their face. <laughs> the you know it's like the, the clothes are filthy, so I have to get to the gig, get oh, changed, do yeah. something with my face and my hair so that I don't look like the dad from the fucking Rugrats. Like I, I feel like every day I become closer to to the dad from that program dill pickles um like and also now i don't like i think it's maybe just having done comedy a bit longer and be a bit more confident in myself but i'm, I'm quite you, you've seen me a bit i'm quite loose on stage I'll, I'll play with the audience a bit and i like to kind of just just go with whatever bit of material works but i don't really script it i mean like i i did i remember i was doing i did the glee in birmingham a couple of weeks ago and i was i was emceeing it i don't emcee that often but i'll do the glees and I, I remember the act, the other act in the green room felt sick watching me because I was so I like so the the Glee clubs for anyone listening is a chain of comedy clubs in the UK they're brilliant and they always play the same music before they bring the MC on stage it's like a three minute long track it kind of sounds like you're at the circus I know every beat and moment in that track so well that as the as the MC is going, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be one interval, blah, 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 blah. Put your drinks down, get ready and welcome to the stage. I'm finishing my last bite of my burger and finishing a conversation with the comedian backstage and wiping my mouth kind of in perfect time to get to the microphone. <laughs> nice. That is no stop. I don't know if you've ever seen that. There's a, there's a kind of viral clip of uh, Mike Skinner from the streets. Oh, um, man. Yeah, having that conversation. Talking about Peter Mandelson yeah, going mad in the eighties, <clears throat> yeah, that 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 was me at the Glee, that, and I, I can do that all the time. Of like rooms like that where I know the kind of timings, I can just I can just walk on. And it's I also think I, I, it sounds like a really this sounds like a really ridiculous thing to say, but um, one if there's a pre gig ritual, a thing that I try to have, and it's you know we're we're doing this with the wonderful Tim Lewis who you work with on this podcast and the shows. I think it's really important to try and surround yourself with people you like backstage. This sounds so, so ridiculous, 
especially if you're emceeing or, or doing like a longer show or anything, if you're having a laugh backstage, you, you will walk on stage in, in that kind of mode of being a bit funny and a bit chippy and a bit silly and you'll have a better gig. I've done I've done shows in the past where, especially when you're touring, I won't have spoke to anyone for four or five hours apart from a bit of chat with venue staff going, right, here's your kettle to make a cup of tea. You know, we'll, we'll bring you on with this song. Yeah, all good. And if you haven't spoke to anyone in quite a long time, you go on stage and you, you, bit, you know, try and find your voice and how's it going? Yeah, yeah. Whereas it like... That's just, so true. Just, just, just having a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you've been backstage with someone like Tim, Tim teched my last Edinburgh run and it was yeah. just, just having someone that I like that I can have a chat and a laugh with. Yeah. It means you walk on stage in, in that mode of, of just... just feeling a bit silly and fun and funny and you're, you're, you're immediately warmer and funnier with a crowd. Do you know what I mean? So, Great answer. Now, who MCs the gig? Now, I, I, I have to say, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been a bit unwell recently, so I've done, I've curated this gig in, in moments. I haven't sat and written this all as one. So it's, it's, I don't, I don't know who the fuck's booking this lineup because it's mad. <laughs> but the, the, the MC, and she's amazing, is Catherine Ryan. Um, great choice now I, I must say I'm I'm not like a I'm not at the front of the queue for Catherine Ryan tour tickets every time she tours do you know what I mean I, I think she's amazing I've never worked with her I've watched her and I watch her when I can but this this is kind of decided by two things first of all I did um, I did Latitude with her in 2021 and she she was like closing she went on stage with a baby that I think was four weeks old and she had the baby with her and she delivered a set that was like so fucking red hot and so funny. And what she did that was so brilliant is you've seen Catherine before. She pushes it a bit, you know, she, she's, she's got stuff that you might call edgy. Watching someone do that whilst holding a newborn child is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, like, it's incredible. Talking about how she hopes the baby grows up to be a gay man so she has more in common with it. Like, it's it's so funny. And, and the the other thing that I love that Catherine Ryan's done, did you, have you ever watched Backstage with Catherine Ryan, the show that she did on Amazon? Oh, mate, it's, 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 she just did one season of it, Backstage with Catherine Ryan, and she had great comics on there. But what, what they did as part of the show, you got to see the green room chats, and it's such a good show, but but what she did on stage is she she like the way she hosted that show, she almost brought bits of that in, and I just I think as a as an MC you want someone who's got complete and utter control who you feel like if they wanted a chair to move they could do it. Do you know what I mean? And and <laughs> having watched her control, you know, latitude isn't an easy gig. That's a big old tent where people are just coming in and out, watching her control that space whilst holding a newborn child in her arms, Insane. she can do anything. Yeah. She can do anything. And it is, it's one of the few... I think the best times you watch a comedian is when... I, I love watching a comedian who's so powerful on stage that you, you feel like they're levitating. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like she's just like hovering with strength and power and control. And, and I, as an MC, that, that's everything you want. Great choice. A phenomenal comedian. Uh, been with Always Be Comedy pretty much from the off. One of the best sets I've ever seen was a, a gig she did for us in 
uh, in Balham a few years ago. She's, uh, mate, she's a, she's absolutely undeniable. Great, uh, great choice. Who opens? Opening, I'm going to, I'm going to go for Paul Sinner. What a great choice of opener. And I almost feel I'm insulting Paul by by putting him in that opening spot because again, and, he's and pure class, isn't he? But it's, it's. I can say this about everyone I've chosen that they could all close any gig in the world. Well, yeah. until we get until we get to the close of themselves, um, <laughs> but we'll get to that. I used to. I've I've always loved comedy. I've always wanted to be a comedian, which which is quite depressing, really. Like, like at the age of thirteen, I used to. I wanted to be a comedian back then. I chose a degree course because it had a a, a short module on stand up comedy. And so when I was 18 uh, and I was studying in London, I had no money. I, I had to just get sort of, uh, you know, retail and bar jobs. I got a bar job at Jonglers. To anyone listening, Jonglers was a kind of huge chain of comedy clubs around the UK at the time. It was it was the main, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, it was the main thing, wasn't it, James? It was like Jonglers was club comedy in the UK. I think it had its own TV show on Paramount or Comedy Central or something. It got, like, yeah, it got something commissioned. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, but it was, the thing is, I grew up watching DVD comedy. You know, the, the, the age, I'm 32. So 20 years ago when I started watching stand-up, that's when DVD comedy was the thing. Yeah. That's when it became, you know, Live at the Apollo, t- comedy had its TV boom, Live at the Apollo, McIntyre's Roadshow. And what you'd get is those comics who did those shows releasing DVDs. The problem is you, there's such a huge chasm between, you know, what watching McIntyre recording something at the Palladium to what you would do as your first gig. So I, it's... It's really mature of me, actually. I, I thought to myself, I was like, I need to learn what club comedy is. Because if I want to be a comedian, you don't just go from going, right, I'm going to try stand-up, to doing arenas. You do clubs. And I'd never been to one. So I've got a job at one. I've got a job at Jonglers. And, you know, th- this this was hardcore club comedy every weekend. The, the one that I worked at was in a, a sports bar in Piccadilly Circus, still there on Haymarket. You know, it was long tables of stag do's and hen do's and comedians would come on stage and it was just, it was, it was borderline babysitting, Um, you know, just trying to get the room to sit still and listen for 20 minutes. And if you get a joke out, great. And Paul, <laughs> like, you know, mate, it's mad. And it, I, you know, I, the, 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 I, so, I still the, get and, flashbacks to Jonglers Nottingham. And most of the comics especially the male comics that would do it would do it with a level of brawn and and kind of you know oh sit down i'm big man in the room do you know what i mean where and then paul sinar came on once and i watched him and it was like my jaw hit the floor of the kind of the elegance of his writing the intelligence of his comedy that he would talk about being a, a gay asian british doctor and it he would have he would have rooms on their knees with laughter and he would, he would manage to do such interesting and thought provoking stuff. And it's just amazing. And, and, and just, just broke what you thought you had to do to control those rooms. Do you know what I mean? It do it with so much intelligence and, and craft and, you know, fortunately you mean, I've been able meet, to. The audience have to meet him on his terms as well, which is, yeah. which, which takes years to get to that level. But, but he'd make them. He'd make them. Absolutely. I, I, I remember watching a group of squaddies, you know, who, who'd sat there and been arseholes all night. Paul came on to close. And by the end of it, he, he was choosing which one he'd allow to suck him off. <laughs> <laughs>
And, and, and to that's, have gone from where we were twist. to that, it, mate, it, Paul Sinner is he's a genius. He's an absolute genius. And I, I've met him since. Lovely bloke. Um, <laughs> Ollie, his husband, is lovely. And he's he's for me, he's he's the quintessential brilliance of what you can do in, in a comedy club is what Paul Sinner does every weekend and has done for, for years. Great choice. Who's in the middle? The middle again feels mad that these guys are in the middle, but I'm so I've worked in comedy clubs for six, seven years as a job. And for me, a middle act should be a bit of variety. That's something a bit different. I've gone with Vic and Bob. Great choice. I I I I look at someone like Paul Sinner and I go, you do something fairly similar to what I do, you know, kind of um straight stand-up, uh with, with a kind of opinion or or, or um philo philosophy feels a bit much, but but kind of sort of social ideology behind it. And Vic and Bob, it's just bollocks. And I envy it so much. I, I went to see them live. I went to see them at Les Square Theatre when they were warming up for the tour that they did or that they were gonna do before Bob had his heart problems. And I've oh never my laughed God. so much. Do you remember that? No, the fact that you got tickets is extraordinary. Oh, mate. Yeah, it, it was my, my girlfriend at the time. She was a real whiz with stuff like that. But being in that room, watching them, because it was one of the first times they'd done live work together in a very, very, very long time, and watching them get ready for that tour, and I'd never seen anything as funny in my life. And also, the, the thing is, I'd, I'd sort of come to Vic and Bob, because Bob Mortimer is like a national treasure now, right? Bob Mortimer is on, he's on Would I Lie to You? He's on panels. He does. He, he did that football podcast that wasn't really about football for a long time. It, my generation accessed Bob Mortimer quite easily. It's not... I'm at an age where it's not that easy. She, I was very young when Shooting Stars was on TV. The genius of Vic Reeves is not quite as accessible as the genius of Bob Mortimer. And when you're in a room with him and you realise that actually Bob Mortimer is almost the straight man to the Vic Reeves madness, you realise that... Sorry, go on. No, I'm just, I was just going to say that the dynamic actually favours the weirdness of Vic. And was it, I think, because Vic was, am I right in saying that Vic was originally doing it on his own and then Bob asked, Bob was yeah, like a he, fan and asked to join? Well, it, that the, yeah, the story was that, that um, Vic Reeves was was in Deptford in, in South London, was was an art student down there, uh, maybe at Goldsmiths. And um, I, I think Bob had just come out of a breakup and his mates had said, look, come to this pub. There's this guy that does this weird kind of comedy show. Yeah. Um, and Bob just started going for ages. And it, and it was, you know, a small audience of people that would go every week. And I think um, the way that their partnership started was Vic said to Bob, you know, get get involved with the show if you want. And they, he sort of got him on the side of the stage. I said stage. I think it was just a, a pallet in the corner of a pub. And he gave him a great <laughs> a giant check. And he goes, bring this on stage and, and we're going to pretend that it's a donation that we're making to the Daft Kids. <laughs> Was that was the beginning? And it went from there. <laughs> it went from there. Amazing. But I, 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 I don't know if I've laughed as much as I have in that room watching those two work out their tour and do what they do on stage. And and I think the chemistry between them is one of the most beautiful on stage chemistries that's ever existed because they you feel that they love each other, but they can also go into kind of play fighting and bonking each other over the head with stuff. But it's it's there's something so like really british about their their duo i think great choice now who closes well this is it i mean as i say any any of these people 
our headline acts could be headline acts. Catherine Ryan, Paul Sinner, Vic and Bob. Who who closes this gig? It's Bobby Davro. I am all in. <laughs> Go for it. Have you ever seen Bobby Davro? Have you ever seen him live? I've never seen him live, but when I was a kid, uh, as a huge fan, you know, I was a, I grew up in the eighties, so I would watch Davro's ITV sketch show. I mean, every, I mean, religiously. But I've yeah. never seen him live. Now I've I've seen the sketch show since because again I I sort of grew up I was born in ninety one so I wasn't he wasn't really on TV when I was growing up but my parents would talk of Bobby Davro and then he closed a gig that I was opening and because my parents had spoke about him so much I had to see it I watched his act and I had to then go and watch the sketch show and I think he had a lot of writers. Go <laughs> on. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. It was it was at the comedy pub. Do you know where that is in in Piccadilly? And it, oh, yeah. you know it was it was a, it was it wasn't a. I don't know how Davro had ended up closing this gig. I think he was an unannounced headliner. Um, there was only about forty five in the room. A lot of it was a large Hindu at the front. He was booked for twenty five minutes. I stayed for forty five. I'm reliably informed he did two hours. No, stop it. The pub stayed open. The pub stayed open. The staff, all, like they closed the bar downstairs and everyone just came up to watch what he was doing up there. A apparently he moved between knock-knock jokes to one-liners to, to long stories with no ending to songs. So hang on, uh, so, you've, so you've seen... So Davro ha was having like the gig of his life, or is this just does da is Davro always knocking out of the park like this? It, uh, I don't know if you'd say it was the gig of his life. It varied from the gig of his life to 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 not really being a gig. He had to sit and take a break for a bit and just sort of talk through what was going on. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I'm, I'm also as as I say, I only lasted forty five minutes, but he did two hours, and uh, and he left with the mother of the bride from the Hindu, and. I, I, when when I'm when I say that he was stretching the form, <laughs> he was is stretching the fucking patience of the staff. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> Between like uh, he had everything, everything, songs, political opinions, one-liners, anecdotes, celebrity gossip. What while I was there, he at one point uh, a, a story ended which didn't have an end to it. He sort of stood and sort of like you could see him racking his brains, thinking what to do. The audience looking back at him. And I swear on my life, he turned to the audience and goes, do you want to know the truth about Barrymore? <laughs> and oh, my, all I can think about is, is Tim Lewis right now thinking, what what can I keep in? What do I clip? What do I clip? What do I clip? <laughs> There's 10 women on a hen from Blackpool just watching <laughs> As he says, do you want to know the truth about Barrymore? He never told us. He went into another song. I think, I think he might have I done Amarillo. Just as well. It was, it was incredible. I, I've never seen a performance like... What I've, I've never seen, as I say, in the 45 minutes, there was ups and downs. At no point did he question his right to be there and his right to continue. And I think as a performer, there's something to respect in that. He, 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 at no point did he question what he was doing, why he was there. And he kept, you could see him sort of, you know, it's psychologically looking out the back and thinking, have I got anything else? And the answer was always, yes, I do have something else. I've got another story. I've got another song. We'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do something else. 
and 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 as I say, he he left arm in arm with the Hindu. Did I mean that? There's so much to unpack. Did he just not want to get off? <laughs> he didn't want to get off. He didn't want the gig to end. He he didn't want the gig to finish. He just it like. I, I had to call it a 45 minutes because I was like, I, I need to get back and help with the kids. I, I can't. I would what love do I to tell have seen girlfriend? this. It was incredible. And and, and then, yeah, I, 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 I won't name who it was, but the, the middle act, because I opened and the guy in the middle, I was like, I was like, are you sticking around for Davro? And he's like, I think we should. <laughs> and I, I called it a 45. <laughs> he stayed for the whole two hours. And he, and he said that all the staff who worked in this venue were just stood at the back looking at their watches going, I want to go home. I don't know. I'm missing a train. But they Hang couldn't on. get him off. Why did no one flash him off? Flash him? Mate, they, 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 I, I honestly think they had to drag him off. I, I think they had to get... And I, and I think it took a few attempts. I think there was a few attempts of the MC getting on and going, come no. on now, come on, Bobby, come on, no. come on now. You, you've given them what they need, Bobby. And him going, no, no, they need more, they need more. And and I think the, the audience were on his side to say, we want more. Oh, Bobby, bless bless Bobby. Um, like I, I And again, I look at this lineup: Sinar, amazing, Vic and Bob, amazing, Catherine Ryan, amazing. I I I think they could all be wrestled off, and Davro wasn't, and he left on his own terms. And 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 you know I've 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 had my my health scares over the last couple of weeks, and I just think hearing of a man with with that level of professional dignity that leaves on his own terms, it really appeals to me at the stage of life I'm in. It's it's a great choice. I think every listener would pay cash money to have been there the night Davro did two hours, and it sounds like if someone hadn't, I guess pleaded with him to come off in some sort of parallel universe he's still on stage performing at the <laughs> the never ending gig the never ending gig Davro's still going people like bringing in like Lucas aid foil blanket <laughs> yeah. to do this it's like it's like a hunger strike he won't stop until he gets what he wants and I love the fact that he was taking breaks but talking them through I'm just I'm just gonna sit down yeah yeah I'm a bit tired now I'm just gonna sit for a bit Breathe incredible in. So Jacob, so what we're saying is he left with the mother of the bride, but as far as we know, it was to make sure the other one was safely put into an Uber home. To go for a dance at, at the most, to go to go and dance the night away, not for, and for nothing more, and then to return the mother of the bride safely home to the father of the bride. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, you know, some stories stay with you. I feel like that's <laughs> that's one of those stories where I'm going to think about it so much that I'll like convince myself that I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You know I know. Is it the sex? There's a Sex Pistols gig. Is it in Manchester? And there was something like 18 people there. But yes. it's become such like a, a myth that yeah. the amount of people that claim they were there, then it, it must have been a 25,000 seater. I, I can picture that gig in my mind, and I hope that everyone feels that way about Davro doing doing two hours. Now, Jacob, is, has there been an incident uh, that you would somehow love to replicate at this gig? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, again, it's 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 not it's not the most glamorous of incidents, but um, but Bobby Davro. You know, do, do, well, do you, do you know an Irish comedian called Mike Rice? No. Very funny young man. I, I'd recommend him. He's he's been in London for a couple of years now. He's brilliant. Um, I I watched him nearly get attacked on stage. Um for telling an audience member that they resemble a monkey with tits. And it was my fault um, because backstage, I had just shown him uh, a Photoshopped image of a monkey that had been given um, a set of breasts. 
and he went on stage with that loaded in his mind and there, there was an audience member who'd been giving us trouble all night and that mike labeled him that and uh this guy did get on stage and attempt to fight mike um and it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life and if you listen to mike rice uh mike mike's podcast with vittorio angeloni i'm sure you know um they they tell the full story on episode 48 of that i believe that's great um, so, so it would be it would be it would be mike rice getting attacked on stage because i had preloaded his mind with the image of a photoshopped monkey with breasts that's what i'd like to replicate at the gig please so you've put you're, you have that skill where you can put things into people's heads and then they yeah. end up talking about it on stage i'm that's just it. warning the listener that if i end up talking exclusively about bobby davro on stage you will i bet you will yeah. <laughs> When's the next door? I bet tonight you'll end up talking about that on stage. Such a good story. I, I, I don't think I'll ever get over it. Um, how, so how did they stop the attacker from getting... Well, the, 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 the attacker wasn't a well man. He, he, was, he, was, he was an older drunk man from Newport, which is a rougher part of Wales. And he, he'd, um, he'd, already warned the, he'd already warned the staff that he had quite bad asthma and they had to keep an eye on him. So... It, he, he, did, he got on stage in between coughing fits and it, it didn't take too much from the staff to eventually lead him off stage. But yeah, it, it was it was quite a frightening thing to see this guy get so close to getting hold of Mike Rice. Oh, my God. Now, now which incident must not happen at this gig? Depressingly, I've got a long list of these. No offence, but it's what we'd love to hear. Yeah. I think the worst one, um, I, there was a small festival in Dorking that I got booked to close a few years ago. And it, it I, I didn't really know what kind of festival it was going to be. And the reason it's a small festival, because it was specifically for people who enjoyed psychedelic drugs. And at the time I was making a show called Jacob Hawley on drugs for yes. BBC Sounds, which was, yeah. you know, it's, it's a sort of silly tongue in cheek pun title for a show for a podcast. But it, it, it was quite a serious documentary show about drug laws in the uk and i got booked to do this 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 festival which is essentially just a load of people tripping on mushrooms the only way i could get anything from them is to take my shirt off and chant the word crisps over and over again because there was a man on the front row in the thick of a trip who was doing that he'd been chanting the word crisps throughout the gig that was tanking it. And the only way to kind of get everyone on board is to join him in taking my shirt off and sing crisps, crisps, crisps with this guy. Oh my God. The, the other men in the audience joined in. The the women stayed clothed, but joined in in the chant. And that, that was it. And I invoiced for 300 pounds at this. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it worked. It worked. And it, is, it, was, it was one of those train journey homes where you really look in the mirror in the train toilet and go, I don't know what I'm doing with my life here. I don't, I don't know. I'm feeding children on this wage and this is my life. Still, I went to university to study this. Still got no top on, he's still saying crisps. Yeah, yeah. Bag of kettle chips. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, now, finally, how do you unwind after a gig? I don't really... I... Again, it's it's a case of just getting home and looking after the kids. So I don't have much to. But the the real sweet spot for me, and this does happen sometimes, it I treat myself to train travel sometimes rather than driving. I'll I'll go right. I'll get a train and I can get some train beers and have a little beer. Just max two two tins on a train home. And if you can get yourself on a train with a declassified first class with no other passengers on it, 
a, a nice a nice Wi-Fi connection that allows you a bit of Netflix or BBC iPlayer with two cold tins of Stella or or bottles of Stella unfiltered, which is my preference. I don't know if there's a happier kind of sitting there, the spoils of war, two beers, peace and quiet. That that for me is maybe the happiest part of my life in general. That's the most peaceful my life ever feels. I've done the job I was I've, I was set to do. I can't come home and help. I'm on my way to help with the children, but I'm not there yet. And I'm in this perfect purgatory between work and my other responsibilities where no one can get me and I'm comfortable. And for an hour, I'm at peace. And that is, that's the happiest I feel in my life. If you'd explained that to Bobby Davro, he'd have done a tight 20. <laughs> And, and at the same time, having Bobby on that train carriage with me is the, the worst nightmare I could have. Ah, <laughs> oh, time to sit down. Well, I'm a rocket man. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I know. <laughs> Don't do Amarillo again, Bobby. I can't. Get <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't run back and forth to the toilet again. I was. I, was, I went to see uh, Crystal Palace play the other night, and I went with a mate, and he said that he's like he's my age. He's in his forties. Yeah. But he said uh, the go-to click to cheer him up if he's feeling down, like like he says it's good for his mental health, is watching the Bobby Davro clip of when he's in the stocks and falls Yes. Because <laughs> yes. he says how he wasn't hurt is a, a miracle. A miracle. Absolute miracle. It's it, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, Google that now. Bobby Davro in the stock. It, it's one of the strangest things you'll ever see. Lionel Blair's in it. Mm-hmm. It's got everything. Um, what a time in British television. What a time in British television. Um, Jacob Hawley, we're very grateful. Um, check out Jacob's podcast with Jake Farrell. Yes, um, the Screen Rock podcast. Who, Tim Tim Lewis is a is a is a regular listener, which we're proud to say. Uh, and then also check out Jacob on tour. The new tour show is called Space, as you've just discovered for the past hour plus. Jacob Hawley is a profoundly funny man. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How about that from Jacob Hawley? So I was desperate, as you probably tell, I was, we were both desperate to name Davro in the intro and we, and we couldn't. But Bobby, da look, I was born in 1978. No way, you don't look old enough. No, I was. Um, <laughs> and so Bobby, as a comedy, as a lifelong comedy anorak, Bobby Davro um, is such a, a, a totemic presence in my life. And when I was at primary school, I used to do a show called Laugh Attack. Uh, so every Friday, maybe your primary school was the same. Friday assembly, if kids wanted to get up and you know, read a poem or whatever than they could. And every week I would do this show called James's Laugh Attack and I would die a death every Friday. <laughs> and this, the teacher did, the teacher would do this, right? I'd do my, I'd perform these sketches and stuff to like, I mean, soul deadening silence. And then the teacher would turn to the whole school and go, right then, uh, what did we all think of that? And then like the kids would critique what I'd oh, just done. Oh, and it was really kind. There was one kid, I'm, I'm going to name him. There was one kid, Brendan Stansfield, who was the older brother of a lad called Jay, who was in my class. And Brendan Stansfield, tough, by the way, tough dude. If he said it was Tuesday, it was Tuesday. He's one of those, one of those dudes. 
um, every time would say, I thought it was really funny. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> Nearly crying. I must, I must drop Jay a line on, uh, I must drop Jay a line and say, I wonder if Brendan Stansfield play, played a key role in me pursuing comedy, because sometimes you just need, you just need one person to say, I don't think you're shit. And then that, that, that can be enough sometimes. That's... I never said thank you. That is incredible. That's so lovely. I, I, was, I was getting worried when you were saying you were being critiqued by all these fellow pupils. But, but this is like one kid out of however many people were at this primary school, you know, like well over 100. Um, but anyway, Bo, uh, Bobby Davro, so like uh, Rory Bremner had a show on the BBC called Laugh Attack before he went to Channel 4 with uh, Bird and Fortune, etc. with the political stuff. So that's what I, I, I nicked the name of Rory Bremner, but then was doing sketches by the likes of uh, Bobby Davro, etc. If our paths ever crossed, I would love to shake Davro warmly by the hand and say thank you for being responsible for so many happy comedy memories when I was a kid. He had he had his own show on ITV. Um, that was a I mean that was a, a I bet that that would get monster viewing figures that uh, figures that was that was a viewing fingers that was a, that was a really big show on ITV and then he moved to the BBC and it was I think it was called Bobby Devro rock with laughter something like that but my, my fondest memories were, were of the the ITV show so uh yeah that was that was great I mean that was that was a real journey that Jacob took us on there with the the Davro experience on like I was buzzing where <laughs> after that I Look, I was thinking we could be offered if we had the choice between John Mullaney, someone I've never seen before, or Davro. I think I'm taking Davro at this stage. I just, I was, I couldn't get enough, and I wish, I wish so much that gig was recorded. It sounds inc- fascinating, incredible. Yeah, a real I was there gig. I mean, I wasn't, but yeah. for anyone that was, it sounds like a real I was there gig. Tell you what, Tim. It would be it would be lovely to get a couple of those uh, older dudes on the. And I say that with love. When I say older dudes, and now Russ Abbott, I th- I think is retired in Spain, so I don't think that would ever happen. But Abbott on the pod would be sensational. Oh, um, I really. We we talk about our love of the old school, and I sort of it almost feels rude to call these acts the old school. But like we've talked about how much we love carrot so much, of just carrot so much. We love. <laughs> I I'd, I'm less aware of Russ Abbott than you, admittedly. But that's just an age. That's just an age. It's purely I, age. I really love how much reverence we also have for like the history of comedy. If, if I may say that about ourselves, I tell you, what I'd love on the pod. He's not. He's not old school by any stretch. But uh, Ben Miller, you know, from Armstrong and Miller. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in. Okay, good. Yeah, so just in my head, I was thinking, has the Phil Wang episode been out yet? It has. Uh, I've started watching Armstrong and Miller sketches again from what he was talking about with them, and they're great. They're really good. I mean, they're both great, but Ben Miller's such a great performer, probably quite overlooked now. Maybe mm-hmm. that, you know what, Tim, that's, maybe that's my homework. I'll, I'll try and reach out to Team Ben Miller. Lovely. I'd absolutely love that. Right then, favourite Jacob Hawley memory. It's it's hard to come up with just one. I think I think because I think about this a lot anyway, without it being the memory. I think about 
the hug Jacob Hawley gave me at the end of the fringe when we had finished the month long run. It was the most, I think it's the most emotional hug I've ever had of anyone. Fuck's what? sake, you're two nil up. Fucking hell. It was, it was, look, look, we just got, got lucky with, <laughs> with Hawley being the next one, but we had had a month oh, mate, together. I was so happy with Vine. I was so <laughs> determined to get this equaliser. And then you've, I, I know that you've beaten me. I, well, look, I've, I've gone emotional route. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was one of the most intense hugs I've ever had in my life, and that's my memory. It's a good ring game if you just win it every week. Like you start telling your story, and every every time I'm like, "Oh, for fuck!" Uh, mine is so uh, we did a lot with Jacob online, and I remember we did this corporate. I think I can say who it was. Lad, it was a lad Bible corporate. And I, I'm seed it. I, I dare I say it, I'd, I'd had a good time. I'd, I'd done well. But then Jacob Hawley goes on. Now Jacob and Lad Bible, he's a, you know, he's like a, he's a hip young gunslinger. He's Hawley. <laughs> and then what happened was that a member of the Lad Bible staff started like um, speaking. Not it wasn't like heckling, but it was like asking Jacob questions. Do, do you remember this, Tim? Yeah, I remember it so clearly. Yeah, Jacob Hawley like turned into this comedy Jedi. I don't the way he handled it because what he was doing was he was joining in with the guy, and so making it was sort of like ultimately indulging him, answering every question that the guy had, but at the same time was also dealing with it in the right way. Um, and I, I remember watching, thinking, I don't, there's no one who could handle this any better and and then by the time jacob got to the end of his time they they'd all been thoroughly entertained he'd undeniably had a like the perfect gig really it was almost like jacob hawley's bill burr um philadelphia (laughs) (laughs) that's a great memory yeah how how you how have you got through this and are better for the exp you know you've 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 turned this into a wonder gig but um, it was like, the, the, it, you know what, Tim? He was like a guy on Question Time was the bloke in the audience. <laughs> it's, it was fascinating because, look, Zoom gigs can be tricky anyway. Dealing with hecklers is tricky. Dealing with hecklers on a Zoom gig sounds, I'd say, pretty much impossible. But the way he handled it was startling, exceptional. And also, you couldn't, you couldn't mute the guy because... Uh, he was great value. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of, his behaviour flew in the face of conduct on Zoom gigs. But because every time this guy was like rolling the football towards Jacob Hawley, Jacob was like yeah. bending it into the top corner every time. So it was like, sort of just got to let this play out. And it, and it all, you know, it all worked out perfectly. Oh man, I, I was, I, on any other week, I think that would win. But I know that Tim, I, I'm, you know, Tim's done me, no doubt. Two 0 to Tim. Happily take it. Um, yeah, we we you know, we, we we love Jacob. Um, right. So next week, guys, get ready. If you if you're not subscribed, uh, make sure you are because when the, when this one lands, you're gonna be like, oh hello. Um, uh, but as we as we hit the one year anniversary, thank you very much. That you know, there's a lot of you dudes who are into this thing and we're, we're you know we're, we're very grateful so thank you and thank you 
Tim Lewis. Oh, and thank you, James Girl. It's been a wonderful year. Long may it continue. Long may it continue. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you at a gig at Wisby Comedy, or we'll, uh, you know, we might see you at one of our uh, live stream gigs. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much. Have a lovely week. Bye 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 bye. <laughs>